And so I really believe that that's the message that God wants me to share with us today. And the message is simply this. I'm going to give, I usually give my title later, but I'm so excited to share this message. I got to give you that title now. And the, time, the title is this, it's time to level up. Five people got excited. Let's, let's try. Where's the loud section? Show me where the loud section is. I said, look at your neighbor and tell him, it's time to level up. It's time to level up. And I think that this is kind of what Jesus was doing with Peter as he had this conversation. He has, he pulls Peter and he says, Peter, I need to talk to you, Peter. I need to have this conversation with you, Peter. And I want to jump into Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32. And this is really going to be the base of our text today, of our message today. And it's this, verse 31. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, this was the other name of Peter, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Woo. Listen to me, when you are disrupting the enemy's kingdom, he's asking for you. If the enemy ain't asking for you, maybe it's because we're not disrupting the enemy's kingdom. But when the enemy's trying to get in your way, it's a clear indication but it's time for your faith to level up because he's trying to drown you in the last stage of your life. He says, Satan is asking for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. See, in context, what he's speaking about here is he's saying, hey, hey, Peter, I need to have a conversation with you because your, your faith is going to fail because you still trust in yourself. I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. And I love Peter because Peter at this moment in context, he's like, he's, he's like you're going to betray me three times. He's like, I will never, I will make sure you I'm there. Ain't nobody going to kill you. Ain't nobody going to do anything to you. And Peter is still relying on self. And Jesus is like, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. It's time for you to level up. And how many of you know at that moment, what happens with Peter is that he denies Jesus three times. But anybody grateful that God can turn your mistakes into miracles? The Bible says that when Jesus preached his first message upon the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus and upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus that Peter preached his first message and three people didn't get saved 3000 people got saved God will take your mistakes and turn them into miracles but but here's the thing with Peter Peter had to learn how to get out of the way Oh yeah yeah didn't, yeah didn't like that He's like I like all this pastor <laughs> Peter had to learn how to get out of the way because here's what I learned, that there are plenty of obstacles that we will face in life, and I just don't want myself to become one of them. See, if we're ever going to level up, we have to learn how to overcome. Here's the subtitle. I want you to write this down. The subtitle to my message is this, Overcoming Self. Overcoming Self. Anybody ready to level up here today? Give God a praise in this room. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, that you've given us this opportunity, Lord God, to share your word. I pray that our hearts would be open to receive, to receive that every, everything that you have to share. Lord, we don't want just a piece. We want it all. So let our hearts be tender and open so that we can hear what your word is for us today. Thank you, Lord God, for this amazing church. And then I get the privilege of pastoring such great people. And I'm married to the most amazing, hottest, gorgeous, anointed woman on the planet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a praise one more time in this room. Thank you, musicians. Can we give it up for the musicians one more time? Um, and Steve, if you could just, it's kind of unclear on the monitors if you can help me out there. Um, any parents in the house? Do we have any parents? I love, I think God speaks to you through your kids. And I don't know, like, lately, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about you, but like, Sometimes kids, kids can be disrespectful. You know what I mean? Like kids, sometimes they get disrespectful. I'm like, like I brought you into this world. Man, I didn't say that part, but some part, like, how many know, like, yo, you, you didn't know how to feed yourself. I fed you. You didn't know how to clean yourself. I could have left you there dirty. I cleaned you. You didn't know how to talk. Blah, 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 blah. I taught you how to talk. And now you're going to use those very words that I taught you how to say to disrespect me. <laughs> Disrespectful. And I, like, like Bishop Emmanuel, I'm going to call him Emmanuel right now. <laughs> Emmanuel Bishop Remedios. That's a history maker's name. Come on, somebody. And, and, and the other day, we're, we're kind of driving over to Brooklyn. We're going to train, and, and I don't, I'm looking at the way he's driving. We're in his car. So he's the one behind the steering wheel, and he's driving. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't like how safe I felt in his car. <laughs> I felt like my life was in jeopardy at the moment. And I was just like, Bishop, I don't like the way you're driving. I'm like, you feel like a little reckless. You feel a little herky-jerky. Like you're moving back. Like you're hitting the gas. Like if we got to go, like we're racing. Like you got to slow down. I feel the brake. I'm moving. You ever been in that car with someone? You're like, this is your whole position right here the whole time. If like, if my seatbelt is locking, something's going on here. <laughs> and so I'm saying to him, Bishop, you got to slow down. And his response to me is like, yo, first of all, he's like, he's like bro, chill. He's like, y'all, I know how to drive. This is my car. Let me rock. To which I'm like, first of all, I'm not your bro. Let's start right there, all right? I don't know what this thing is about kids thinking that they call their parents homie and bro and my mans. Shut your mouth. I am your father. He's like, yo, bro, chill. And, then we, and then so we go back and it's kind of like playful banter back and forth. And, you know, recently he's lost about 20 pounds. And recently I lost. No, you ain't got to praise him. That's okay. Just, I'm just saying it as a fact. Ain't nobody got to applaud for that. And so recently I lost maybe about five pounds. You could applaud for that. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're kind of going back in this playful banter amongst each other. And I, and I look at him like, Yo, bro, bro just because you lost 20 pounds doesn't mean that you could talk to me any way you want. 
and I thought, like, I nailed it. I was like, oh, I just roasted him, you know? Roasted, boom. And he responds, he goes, okay, mister, it took me five years to lose five pounds. <laughs> the devil. This respectful. And I, and I got to be honest, like, it was, it was funny at the moment, and it was hilarious at the moment, but I actually thought about this. It sounds good right now. I'm good. I'm good, Steve. Can we get up for Steve? This is the most anointed sound person. Like, he'll do your sound, and he'll slay you in the spirit. Come on, somebody. Um, but, but, but at the moment, it was funny, but I also got to thinking. And I was thinking for a second, and I don't know if this kind of resonates with you as I share it, but I was there, and I was like... Dang, he's right. In the last five years, I've kind of like, um, uh, I've been living between 240 pounds to 250 pounds of pure muscle. And so, <laughs> that wasn't funny. Shut up. What are you thinking? Um, I've been living, and, and, and I realize why, because like, I, I go on a, a diet. You guys ever heard of this thing called diet? Like, I think that it's a thing from Satan, but anyway. Like, I've been, I go on a diet and, and I, lose some, I lose some weight. But after I lose some weight, I think it's a bright idea to reward myself <laughs> with a cheat meal. But then, and, then, and then I put on the weight. And then I got to lose the weight that I put on that I lost originally. But now I got to lose it again. And then I lose a little bit more weight. But then I don't reward myself with a cheat meal. I, I reward myself with a cheat day. And that cheat day turns into, come on, someone, a cheat weekend. I'm going to start on Monday. And that cheat weekend, everybody knows, you guys are living it right now, a cheat lifestyle. <laughs> I just then live in this way of life. It's no longer. And, and, and here's, here's what I thought about that moment, that the only thing that was getting in the way of me leveling up in my fitness journey was me. See, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the cards that I was dealt. It wasn't my circumstances around me. It wasn't Lisa having cravings of a banana split and then making it for herself at 12 midnight and then making crackers with butter and stuffing the coffee inside of them. It wasn't that. It was me. That's a true story. Midnight. But that wasn't the issue. I could have blamed that to be the issue. But what was really getting in the way of me progressing in the area that I wanted to progress was me. I had to learn how to get me out of the way. And so, and so I look at this conversation with, with Jesus and Peter. And Jesus is saying, Simon, listen, Satan is after you. He's trying to sift you like wheat. And I love the way the God's word translation puts it. It says, then the Lord said to Peter, he said to Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to have you. Can I just say something to you? That God is not the only one that has a plan for you. You think that it's only God that has a plan for you? Can I just tell you the enemy has a plan for you too? You thought it was, the, it was just God that had plans to, to, to do something in your life. Can I just tell you the enemy has a plan for your life too. Here's the thing. Sometimes we think that the enemy can just kind of reign and rule sovereignly in our life and in a courtroom arbitrarily make a decision that he's going to bring death and destruction in your life. And I just want to tell you that he can't. 
See, so many times we think that the enemy is just doing whatever he pleases and whatever he wants in a life. And I just want to tell you that the enemy cannot do that. But what the enemy is actually master at doing, he can't destroy your life. But he'll talk you into you destroying it yourself. See, he, see, the enemy can't destroy your marriage, but he'll talk you into and convince you to doing it yourself. He can't destroy your family, but he'll talk you into using your feelings and using your past and using your insecurities to what? To talk you into destroying your family, your relationship, your future, all by yourself. Isn't that what happened with Adam and Eve? He could not destroy Adam and Eve, but he sure talked them into it. Oh, he couldn't destroy David, but he sure talked him into destroying his life himself. He couldn't destroy Solomon, but he talked Solomon into destroying the very thing that Solomon wanted the most. He talked him into destroying it himself. And I just came to remind somebody to that today that the enemy can't destroy your life, but he'll try to talk you into destroying it yourself. So what happens, we, what we have to do is to remove the self out of the way. we got to get out of the way of what God wants to accomplish in our life. And as long as your faith and as long as your confidence is focused on you, then we'll never be able to level up in the areas that God wants to us to level up in. And he says, Peter, I am praying that your faith won't fail. I'm praying, brother, 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 listen to me, listen to me. I need to have this conversation with you because we need to have a talk because up until this time, your faith has been up to here and I'm calling you to live up here. See, see, so many times that we're okay with this area of faith. After this conversation, after he tells this to Peter, Peter goes back to relying on himself yet again. You know what he says? He says, I will never deny you. Uh, deny you. There you go again. See, your faith is still here. God is calling us to step up. How many times did he tell Peter, hey, you of little faith? Because little faith is not necessarily a quantity. Little faith is the label that you put on a quality. Because as long as your faith is in you, it will always be little faith. I'm preaching better than you amen, and I hear them online too, Pastor Ruben. I... And he says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm calling that your faith, because the faith, this little faith that you've operated up until this point is the one that has failed you. I'm calling that your faith won't fail. I'm call, I'm, I need to have the conversation with you. I remember this uh, conversation that had to be had. Uh, Bishop and his head coach at Glory Mixed Martial Arts, shout out to Omar Khadi. He, um, he has this conversation with Bishop, and essentially the conversation with Bishop is this. Hey, Bishop, are you going to choose to be a competitor or are you going to choose to be a hobbyist? Let me explain what I mean. A competitor is that one that holds himself to a standard of not just attending and going, but actually putting in the work every single day from morning to sundown. Why? Because at the end of the day, you're going to go and compete against the elite, against the best of the best in the world according to your rank. I am not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. I am what you call a hobbyist. Now, a hobbyist is good because 
a hobbyist doesn't mean that you don't train. It doesn't mean you don't get stuff done. It doesn't mean that you don't participate. You do participate. You do get stuff done. But I'm not held to the standard of a competitor. It doesn't mean I can't whoop most of the men here. No, I'm just joking. We'll find out on Thursday. I'm kidding again. Anyway. Some of you have felt that, Lucas, but he's back. Thank God. Praise God. His arm is okay. So, he doesn't have any aspirations of being a competitor either. He's going to be a pastor soon. You're retired. You had a good run. How many of you know, I am not a competitor, so I'm not held to the standard of a competitor. I'm held to the standard of a hobbyist. A hobbyist just comes, trains, and let me explain it. This one is le- uh, this way. It's less competitive and more recreational for me. It's more something I do to stay fit, something that I do to participate and have a good time. And, and it doesn't mean that I'm not growing, and it doesn't mean that I'm not developing. It doesn't mean that I'm not um, leveling up in some degree. But it means that at the level that you need to be held to be a competitor, I'm never going to meet that standard because I'm operating as a hobbyist. And the conversation that Omar Khadi had with Bishop Remedios was, Bishop, you have to decide if you truly want to be a competitor or do you just want to be a hobbyist? Do you want to be a competitor or do you just want to be a hobbyist? Because if you're ever going to step out in the competition field, you'll never be able to find success with the kind of regiment that a hobbyist has. That's how powerful it was. And so many times we want to be in the competition field, walking around with hobbyist regiments, hobbyist devotion, hobbyist dedication. Hobbyist participation. And God is saying, no, I've called you to level up. Can I just prophesy to somebody today? Your calling is not your hobby. Your calling is not your hobby. I want to say something to somebody today. Listen, if you're a hobbyist, God loves you. If you're a participator, God loves you. God accepts you. God wants you. There's nothing that you could ever do to change God's mind about you. That God loves you as you are, just the way you are, in the way you are. God loves you. God will never change his mind about you because you never compete or you're never stepping up or you never level up. God will love you every single minute of your life for the rest of your life. Here's my thing, though. Here's my thing. My thing is that sometimes we just live, we just limit God's love to his acceptance, not realizing that it's his very love that produces our purpose. <sighs> See, so many times we, we limit God's love to be a love that just accepts us, not realizing it is that very love that compels us to our calling. And so many times we're like, we're, we're, we're like, uh, we, we want to do more and we want to, but God is saying, listen, my love doesn't just accept you. My love empowers you. So I, I want to say this to somebody today. It's his love that accepts us to come to church, but it's his love that calls us to be the church. It's his love that accepts us to be a member, but it's his love that also calls us to be a minister. It's his love that accepts us so that we can attend service, but it's his love that calls us so that we can be of service to our neighbor. It is his love that accepts accepts us to be his children, but it's also his love that commissions us to be his ambassadors so that the rest of his children can come back to the sheepfold. 
It's time to level up. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I said it's time to level up. This is not my recreation. This is my purpose. This is not my hobby. This is my priority. This is not just a casual experience. This is my lifestyle. It's time to level up. And in order for us to level up, we have to overcome self. We have to overcome self. Peter, Peter, you got to overcome self. And the first self that we have to overcome is the self of self-sabotage. Ooh, this is getting good. I'm going to watch this on the replay on YouTube. Come on, somebody. I'm going to share this with myself. Share at Rover Medios. All right. We have to overcome this, the self of self-sabotage. Do you know that Peter may be the most documented disciple regarding his failures? That's why I relate to Peter so much. Because Peter has the most documented, out of all the things that you could have documented, out of all the disciples, Peter has the most failures. About 13 times it's documented when Peter messes up. Peter gets in the way of Peter. Peter thinks more of himself than he should. Peter, and you know what I realized about all 13 instances? What all 13 instances have in common is what? Peter. Every single one of those instances, the common denominator is Peter. And Peter was famous for self-sabotaging. Like just when things were going great, he comes and messes it up. Like, you know, you know in the dating game when you was, you know, you was hollering, girls, ladies, you know what I'm talking about? Like, he was hollering. He, like, he, he was right there. And then he says something. And it was over. <laughs> Has anybody ever, at least once in their life, have you ever self-sabotaged once? Once. Raise one hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. My goodness, all the honest people in the house. If you've self-sabotaged at least twice in your life, two hands. Raise two hands. Come on, somebody. If I look up self-sabotage in the dictionary and you show up, raise one, two hands and a foot. Come on, somebody. We could talk about self-sabotage all day because there's so many ways that God's children, that we find a way to mess up. We find a way to self-sabotage. But what I really want to hone in on today is this idea because when he says to Peter that the enemy is looking to sift him, another translation says he's looking to test him. And here's what I realized, that if you're going through the same test, over and 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 over time and over again it might just be a question of self sabotage and this is not to judge anyone or judge any this is for us to really take consideration man are there areas in my life that I'm trusting too much in myself and not in what God's finished work has provided for me See, so many times that we are, we are, the reason that we are taking the same test over and over, here's, here's what happens, is that so often we try to skip the test instead of learning what we're supposed to learn during that testing season because it's preparing us, not realizing it is preparing us for the next season in our life. And so then we are stuck in this cycle of repeat because we never develop what we needed to develop in this testing season that was actually preparing us for this season. It's like, God, why is it that I'm going through the same test over and over again? 
dealing with the same situation, just different contexts, over and over again. Dating the same person, just with a different face, over and over. And what I mean about overcoming this test, like sometimes we're in this season of testing. What I'm talking about is, is really putting it behind you. Putting it behind you, the thing that is self-sabotaging you, the thing that is getting in the way, you're putting it past you. I remember I was in relationship with someone for 10 years. Uh, it was a friend of mine. And for 10 years, a friend of mine, every time I asked him, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm in the struggle. I'm in the struggle. And don't get me wrong, we could be struggling in different things and in different areas of our life. But how many of you know that God never meant for us to take the same test ten times? But what God will do is that because God is so faithful and he, God believes in you so much and he's believing that you would trust in him, he will allow you to repeat the test over and over because he's trying to develop the character that you need for the next season in your life. And what happens is that we feel like we're stuck. We don't feel like we're moving forward because we're stuck in the same cycle. We don't feel like we're progressing because we have not developed or learned what we need to learn in this test that is going to produce the character that we need to operate and excel in this season. Has anybody, anybody ever worked out before? Three people. Amen. Okay, we're going to start a fitness plan, guys. It's like, yeah. But how many of you know, like, um, I hired a fitness trainer one time, and, and I've been dieting for 15 years, as I said. And the fitness trainer started the workout, and I'm there, and I'm killing it, and I'm crushing it, and I'm doing it. And I'm like, hey, let's get it on. Boom, boom, I'm making it happen. Ten minutes into it, he's like, okay, let's stop. Let's take a break. And I'm like, hi, that was awesome. See you next week. He's like, where are you going? That was just a warm-up. I almost died <laughs> during the warm-up. And he's like, no, 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 that's the warm-up. The warm-up is actually just preparing you for the workout. And so many of us are skipping the warm-up. Wanting to jump into the workout. And God is saying, no, the warm-up is actually preparing you for everything that you are about to do in the workout. And sometimes we skip the test of the warm-up. And we jump into the workout. And when you're my age, you get hurt in the workout because you never warmed up. The warm-up is actually developing you for the workout. And God has called you for the workout. But you can never walk in the workout unless you develop the character that you need in the warm-up. I don't know who I'm preaching here to today. But God wants to remind you today that he wants you for the workout. He wants you to step into your calling. But there's some things that he's putting in your life. There's some examples that he's putting in your life. Not for you to self-sabotage. Not to kill you, but to condition your character. <laughs> I, 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 my father is a guitarist and... I said, Tom, let me, Tom, come, come here for a second, Tom. Give it up for the best, best player in the planet. Tom, Tom, I, I was a kid, Tom, and I wanted to play guitar. And the reason, see, I think like guitar is not for me. You know why? 
Because when I started playing, my fingers almost fell apart. <laughs> Did that happen to you? Uh, yeah. Basically, anyone, anyone who plays, you know, just starting off, your fingers, they're going to, you know, abr they're going to get abrasive, you know, against the blisters, strings. It's going to, yeah, it's going to burn and, you know, but you'll develop uh, calluses on your fingers if you do it for about a month. So, 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 so I had blisters in my fingers and the, at the sign of blisters, I gave up. And I said, guitar must not like me, and I'm not called to guitar. Because it's hurting me right now. And I know that God doesn't want to hurt me. What I didn't realize is that I would have to endure those blisters for about a month's time. See, I couldn't see the 30-day trial that I had to go through. So I gave up the moment the blisters showed up. Not realizing that the reason that those blisters were showing up, it was because of the friction that was taking place between the guitar strings and my fingers. But your body is so smart, what it begins to do, it begins to develop a stronger sense of skin and a stronger toughness of skin in order for you to become the musician that you want to become. In order to what? To resist the friction. Oh, by the way, Tom, do you still hurt right now when you play bass? Absolutely not. <laughs> How many know that my boy, thank you, Tom. Give it up for Tom. How many know? And so often, listen to me, so often our self-sabotage comes in the package of quitting too early. We're quitting at the warm-up church. We're, we're quitting at the calluses, church. You don't realize that it's the warm-up that's preparing you. It's the warm-up that's getting you ready. It's the warm-up that's developing you. It's those calluses that are actually preparing you for what God has for you in the future. Listen to me. He's, God is saying to somebody today, my son, I'm creating your character. I'm developing your skill set. I'm molding your mentality. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm trying to prepare you. So often our, our season, we stay stuck in the same season and we never step up or level up because we don't stick around enough. And allow what those tests need to do to develop our character. I remember I was running. And I was like, running is not for me. You know why? Because my knees hurt. Well, running must not be for me. Until I spoke to a jogger who's been running for nine years. And he goes, no, that happens to everyone. See, I wanted to be a jogger. But I thought it wasn't for me because I didn't have what I needed to be a jogger just yet. But you don't realize, it, that, realize that in order for me to be a jogger, I need to do jogger things. And eventually, that pain would allow me to walk in my purpose. Guess what? My boy right here is not complaining about his fingers anymore. Because he's endured the process. He's learned what he needed to learn to walk into what he's walking into right now. Can we give God a praise in this place? 
And so maybe you're in that season. Maybe you're in that season and God is saying, don't give up yet. I'm producing in you. Don't give up yet. I'm building in you. Don't give up yet. I'm developing you. Don't give up yet. Is your time to level up. Here's the second one. Real quick, real quick. Second one is the self of self-consciousness. And all the overthinkers stood quiet and paid attention. It's, it's the self of self-consciousness. And what I mean is that so, so often the reason that we don't level up is because we've heard God's word over and over. We've read his promises. We've had prophetic words uttered over our lives. But what we've chosen is to hear more loudly or function in a way that adheres to what the enemy has said over our lives and not what God's word has declared. Let's be honest, sometimes the reason that we don't level up is because we become so, we become so self-conscious. We stay in our heads. We, and God is saying, listen, if we're ever going to level up, if we are ever going to walk in the fullness of what I have for you, you have to overcome self. And the second self we have to overcome is self-consciousness. Because the enemy will have you living in your head. You are not, this is the enemy all day, you are not fill in the blank enough. You know the enemy is always sharing, speaking, declaring the message of you, are in, you ain't enough. You're not educated enough. You're not eloquent enough. You're not good looking enough. Of course that's not my case, but for some of us. You're not patient enough. You haven't gone through seminary enough. You, you, you're, you, just, you, you just don't have what other people have. Look, what, look you know, your, your brother has more degrees than a thermometer. Your mother has more degrees than a thermometer, and you don't have any. You, you're, you're not enough. You still, this is one the enemy tells me all the time, you still mingle English and Spanish together. You still stutter when you speak sometimes. You are not good enough. All the while, God is saying, I am with you. I've called you. This is your time. This is your season. And listen, sometimes the reason we can't level up is because we're allowing our insecurities to hold us back, our comparison to keep us stuck, and our inadequacies and weaknesses to define us. And anytime you saw this in the Bible, what you would see is God would call people. God would call Moses, and he would call Aaron, and he would call men and women of God, Gideon, and he would call David, and he would call them, and they were all giving God a reason why they couldn't. And sometimes we live in that place, God, I know you chose me, but I'm too old. God, I know that you have a calling for my life, but I'm not ready right now. God, I know that I have a purpose, but Lord, right now, ugh, not a good time. Not a good time, according to my five-year, but it's just not working right now. Let me finish, and then once I finish, then I'll, we'll, we'll re reconvene. And every time you see this in the Bible, there's always, God, I know, but. God, I realize that, but. And can I, can I just say this respectfully to some of us today? Can you just get your big butt out of the way? No, no, I'm serious. I'm, get your big butt out of the way. 
get your big self-conscious, weakness-seeking butt out of the way. You want to see Moses? Let me show you Moses. Can we bring that up? Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Oh, do you see the big butt? Oh, it sticks out. Moses had a big butt and he cannot lie. I'm not looking at my leaders right now. I'm just not even looking at any of my leaders. This is coming up in a leadership meeting that I will have to repent and ask and even do sacrifices before them. Then Moses said to the Lord, here it goes, but Lord, I am telling you, I am not a good speaker. I have never been able to speak well, and that hasn't changed since you started talking to me. And I am still not good, a good speaker. You know that I speak slowly and I don't use the best words. Moses is like, I got up. Like he's trying to convince God that he's picked the wrong person. He's trying to convince God, like, I know you said I'm going to be a speaker, but I've been talking to you for a long time. I still don't know how to speak. I, here's my big butt, and I just want to prophesy to someone today, get your big self-conscious butt out of the way. Get your I'm too scared butt out of the way. Get your I'm too busy butt out of the way. Get I'm not worthy butt out of the way. Get your I'm not qualified butt out of the way. Get your I'm not ready butt out of the way. Get I'm too old butt out of the way. Get your God, I am too much of a mess butt out of of the way because God has a bigger butt for you. Every time someone submitted to God a butt, God said, yes, but I will be with you. Yeah, I know you don't feel like you're worthy, but I will be by your side. Yeah, I know you don't feel qualified, but I'm going to stand by your side. Yeah, I know you don't feel adequate enough, but I'm going to fill you with power. Someone shout and look at your neighbor, get your big butt. Everybody better keep this word in the context in which I'm saying it. Yeah. Don't be using it for no game and no res, you know. I got my big butt. You better repent. And Here's the last thing as the worship team comes up. Let me give it to you. It's the self of self-absorption. It's the self of self-absorption. Peter tells, Jesus tells, Luke, um, Jesus tells Peter in Luke chapter 22. He says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. But watch this. And when you have returned to me, Strengthen your brethren. Peter, you're going to go through some things. And those things are going to be painful. Those things may even make you question yourself. Those things may even plant the seed that you'll never be able to do what I've called you to do. But I need your faith not to fail. When you go through those things, listen to me, I want you to come back. And I want you to serve your brothers. Serve those around you. And I don't know about you, but there's something about going through some things that just sucks the generosity out of you. 
it just strips away the generosity out of you. There's just something about going through life and life just throwing us some curved balls that just pulls away the generosity that's within us all. Like, I don't know about you, but if I've gone through what Peter has gone through, I'm coming back and I'm like, I'm coming back to Jesus and it's just me and Jesus and nobody else. Jesus doesn't say, hey, come back to me and then just stay with me forever. He goes, no, now it's time that you use what you go through to bless somebody else. He says, Peter, I want you to go and bless the brethren. I want you to bless those around you. And so often we could get stuck in self-absorption. Because if the enemy can't keep you in your head thinking about your failures and, your, and, your, and, and the things that your inadequacies, he'll have you demonizing other people. I don't need to worry about anybody else. I'm just focused on me. It's my journey. It's my plan. And that's why I love what Angie shared at Team Rally today. It was so powerful because she didn't know it, but that's how powerful the Holy Spirit is, that he will speak the same message using the same verse with two different people because he wants to get the message out so that somebody will catch it and hear it. Paul says this in Philippians. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. What? Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. This is what Jesus was telling Peter. If you've gotten anything out of being in a relationship with me, the number one thing that you should get out of being in a relationship with me is not to focus on self, but it's to focus on others. And what the enemy will do is that he'll have you trapped just focusing on self. But the way of the kingdom is not to focus on you and your agenda and your plans and your devotion and your dedication. The kingdom is a reverse style kingdom. He says, if you focus on me and you love others, see that if I won't open up the windows of heaven for you, see if I won't open up doors that you cannot open for yourself. Don't X people out. That's what we do. We cross people out of our lives instead of seeing the cross the way we look at people. If we're ever going to level up, we have to overcome our own self-sabotage, our self-consciousness, and our self-absorption. You know, you will live a much happier life if you started making it less about you. You would think that the more you attend to your life, the happier you would be. That's actually, no, that's, that's a strategy for sadness. That all you have to live is for yourself. The way of the kingdom is, it's about others. 
2020, I'll never forget it. I was in the only time in it was seven years that we've been pastoring as a church. And I remember it's the only time that I've ever had this thought. I said, this is a good time to quit. I mean, at that moment, I mean, so many of my pastor friends had given up. So many of my pastor friends have decided to maybe join forces with another church and be absolved by another church and become a campus for another church. And, and I said, you know what, no one, will, no one will blame you, Pastor Rowe. 2020 took out so many people, so many churches. And in seven years of pastoring, I never thought that the people that I was running with and the people that I was walking this mission with would walk away. And many of them did. And no, no harm done to them. No, there's no negative feelings there. I'm just talking about my own personal feelings. And in that moment, it was the only moment in seven years at that time that I ever had the thought, you could quit now. You could go do something else. You could go be successful somewhere else. I was this close calling Pastor Russ, say, hey, what do you need? Just hire me, I'll go. And I'm a three, guys. We don't quit. That time I was about to. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, you're making it about you again. You thought your calling is about you. You don't know what I have ahead. It's not about you. And I was in misery because I was making it about me. And God is saying, hey, when you've gone through some stuff, come back, but strengthen your brothers. You know why we're here today? It's because we chose not to self-sabotage. We chose not to be self-conscious. We chose not to be self-absorbed. And we came back to strengthen our brothers. Can we praise God for that? Last verse. We could... Jesus could have self-sabotaged. How many know that Jesus is our example? He could have self-sabotaged, but he, he overcame. Because in the moment where he was about to cross the finish line, in the moment where he could have called it quits, in the moment where he said, Daddy, I just can't take this cup. Take this cup from me if it be your will. But then he says, not my will, but your will be done. You want to know how do you overcome self-sabotage? You say, God, it is not my will. It is not my plans. It is not my agenda. It is not my feelings. It is all about your will in my life. Jesus could have lived and been and dwelled in self-consciousness. The enemy tried to test him. The enemy saw in the moment of temptation when Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that the enemy came to Jesus in a moment of vulnerability when the father had already said, you are my son. You know what's the first thing the enemy tried to question? He said, if you are the son of God, Turn these rocks into bread. You, you're not his son. You're not good enough. And the way Jesus overcame self-consciousness is not by thinking. It's by opening up his mouth and declaring God's word. Listen to me. Anytime the enemy comes and tells you, say, yes, that may be true, but God is with me. Yes, that may be true, but God loves me. Yes, that may be true, but I didn't choose this life. The creator of the universe chose me. You begin to open up your mouth and declare. 
Jesus overcome self-absorption. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, even to the point of giving himself as a ransom for many. See, Jesus understood that he could have came from the throne of heaven and said, okay, it's time that my children serve me. But he says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. I came to serve. And even if they take up my life, no one has taken my life because I've already given it up as a ransom for many. God wants to remind you today in this season that it's time to level up. If you believe that in this place, I want you to stand up on your feet as we get ready to worship in this house. Thank you, Jesus. If you're in this place, I want to pray for you right there where you are. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you say, Pastor Ro, I know it's my time to level up. I'm tired of taking these tiny incremental steps. I'm ready to take this leap of faith because I know that what's holding my faith is not self, but it's you. I'm done with my season of self-sabotaging. I'm overcoming it. I'm done with my season of being self-conscious. I'm overcoming it. I'm done with my season of just living for myself and being self-absorbed and making it about me and walking around entitled. I'm done. It's time. If that's you in this place, will you just lift up your hands right there where you are? I just want to pray for you. Pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. I see the hand. I see the hand. I see. Put your hand right back down. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are ministering to every single heart, Lord. And even as your word says that when we come back to you, the answer is not to leave this place and become more self-conscious. The answer is to leave this place becoming more aware of you and your goodness and your plan and your calling for our lives. So, Lord, I pray for every single hand that was raised here today. And I declare and I speak, Lord God, that their season of self-sabotage is over. That their season of self-consciousness is over. That their season of self-absorption is over. Let your will be done. Let your word be declared. And let our lives be given to serve others. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.